1: Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Almighty God, you promised me tonight that you would do something in this house. I stand by faith that you will now step in with authority and with power to give us understanding, but not just understanding, conviction of heart, that we would leave this place without your word being grievous to our heart. But the Lord, your word would be sweeter than honey. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, make me clean to speak this word. I pray in your holy name. Amen. There was a crowd gathered. People were excited. They were stepping on each other. They were jostling with each other. They wanted to see what Jesus was going to do next. They wanted to see a blind man healed. They wanted to see... A demon cast out. They wanted to see Jesus healing people. They wanted to hear what he had to say. There was excitement in the crowd. People were jostling and they were talking. And and Jesus didn't sing a hymn and start. He didn't raise his hands and say, shh, listen to me. He didn't have a prayer even. He just began speaking to his apostles. It's almost as though the crowds of thousands are all around. And he starts very quietly speaking to his apostles. And if you want to listen in, you've got to shut up and listen. Now I can imagine had I been in that crowd and I would see Jesus begin to speak, I'd say, come on, shh, be quiet. I want to hear him. What's he saying? Well, everyone is expectant. Now, what is Jesus going to say? What will be the opening line of his sermon? You know, I was taught that there were two lines that were important in the sermon. The first line and the last line. Everything else in between was going to get lost. Well, what's Jesus' opening line? Listen. Listen. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now that's a line we don't want to miss. It's found in Luke, the 12th chapter, as we begin now to listen to a sermon from the heart of God himself. He begins his sermon by, be on guard. against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, some of you haven't seen yeast work, but in my family, when I was a little boy, every Sunday morning, early in the morning, my dad would get up and he would begin to make the bread for the family for the week. We were a family of five, three growing boys. That meant we were going to eat some serious bread and peanut butter and jam through that week. And so he made big loaves of bread. He had to put sideboards on the pans because the loaves were so big. Four loaves filled the entire oven. I would watch as he would knead that bread. He would knead that bread and then he would set the bread aside and he would cover it with a cloth. And I was always curious. I'd go and I'd peek under that cloth to see what was happening. That bread was actually moving. You could see it almost moving. And you could listen to it. And Daddy would say, listen to it. Can you hear it? It's alive. (laughs) So I would watch it. I would listen. And pretty soon that bread would come up. And it would begin almost to overflow the pan. And dad would come and punch it all down. I said, Daddy, why are you punching it down like that? You'll break it. He'd say, oh, no, it, it'll come right back. You watch. Pretty soon that bread would come right back. And it would show no sign of having been punched down. And then daddy would take it, cut it up. He'd form it into loaves, and he'd put it in those pans. And then he'd let it rise again. And when it got the right size, he'd pop it in the oven. Well, what was making that bread come to life? It's called yeast. An organism. Yeast. This is what Jesus is speaking about. Be on your guard. Against the yeast of the Pharisees. He's saying this is something that's going to grow. You're going to punch it down and it's going to come right back into your life. You're going to punch it down and it's going to grow up inside of you again. This is something very difficult to keep down. The only way you can deal with yeast is finally to throw it in the oven. And if it gets a high enough temperature, it'll kill the yeast. Now, what is the yeast? The yeast of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. So what is hypocrisy? Saying one thing and doing another. Saying, I love Jesus and walking like the devil. Oh, I love Jesus, and then telling your wife how poorly she's done. Having a mouth of criticism. Anger and bitterness and rudeness. Saying, Oh, I'm a Christian. And then telling the little one you're playing with how mad you are at him because you don't get your way. And Jesus is saying, You can punch that stuff down. Mama, you can discipline your little one all you want to. But that yeast in there is going to rise up again. That yeast of hypocrisy is going to grow in that little one again. Mama, I love you. But I act like I hate you. Any of you act like that? Mm -hmm. Any of you big children act like that? Jesus, I love you. Why do you be so tough on me? Why are you making me give up these things that I love? Why do I have to walk the straight and narrow path? Why can't I walk the broad path? Why are you calling me to this discipline of holiness, Jesus? I thought you loved me. This yeast of hypocrisy just keeps growing. It keeps coming up. And some of you have experienced it just overflows out of the pan. And it starts to get all over everybody around you. Uncontrollable. Uncontrollable rage uncontrollable bitterness, uncontrollable judgments. These things just, and you punch them down as hard as you can. And you say, I don't like that about me. I'm going to discipline that in my life. I'm going to stomp on that thing in my life, and I'm not going to act like that anymore until the next time. Well, there's only one place for you. It's called the oven. The heat's (laughs) got to be high enough that that yeast is going to be killed in your system. Otherwise, you're going to spend all the rest of your life trying to punch down these things that keep rising up, that you hate so much, that you love so much. Now, Jesus begins by saying, be on guard against this. And then he says, chapter 12 in Luke, verse 2, there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. Or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner room will be proclaimed from the roofs. So he's saying, Look, I know who you are, and the day's coming when everybody else is going to know who you are. Are you ready? Are you ready to have all of your sin up on that giant screen for all to see who you are? Because what you whisper in your inner room, you know, what you say inside of your mind is going to be broadcast so that everybody can hear, oh, I'm private here. Nobody can hear what I think. I can control the expression on my face. You will not know what I think. Jesus is saying, I know what you think. And I'm going to broadcast what you think. What would you think if you carried on your belt a little radio? And as you walked around all day, it would broadcast your thoughts. How would you feel today about the thoughts you've had? Were any of those thoughts, yeast thoughts, springing up? Someone said something to you and you spent the next hour thinking about what you would have liked to have said to them. And if they ever say that to you again, you will be ready for them. Rehearsing. Remember, that little transmitter on your belt, Jesus is saying everything you think in your heart is being broadcast. Now, it's a wonderful thing that we don't see where that's being broadcast. That doesn't mean it's not being broadcast. You understand, throughout heaven, the righteous angels, thousands and ten thousands upon thousands of holy beings are watching with exquisite interest your development. And I wonder if they're not looking at one of us and saying, I'm going to watch that one in particular. Now these heavenly beings have watched a lot of this human activity over the last 2,000 years. Our lives are very brief, but theirs have spanned the whole time. And so Gabriel and all of the other heavenly beings, they're watching with intense interest. And they can hear the inner thoughts of your heart. Everything is open in the heavens. I was listening whenever I chose to the radio or whatever I wanted to listen to, I just listened to. And finally, as I began to press into the Lord in prayer and seek his face, The Lord said to me, stop broadcasting that stuff into my throne room. I said, what? Yes. I claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I claim to be under the blood of Jesus. Therefore, what I take into my soul and dwell on is broadcast into the heavenlies. So he's saying, be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. In other words, watch carefully that you don't say I'm a follower of Jesus and broadcast into the heavenlies the word of the devil. Have any of you been doing this? Have you been broadcasting the darkness and the evil heart of Satan into the presence of Almighty God? He's saying, be on guard. Don't do this. Verse 4, he says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after the killing of the body has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So he's saying, look, be on guard against this Pharisee yeast of hypocrisy where you say one thing and do another. Be very careful. Have a guarded heart against this. Make sure that your heart is pure and clean before Almighty God. Don't walk in this double-mindedness. He's saying, you should be afraid of me because I'm the one who will judge you. I'm the one who has the authority to either save you or cast you into hell. You need to be afraid. Well, what he's really saying is, don't play with me. Now I just constantly talk with men and women who are playing with Jesus. What do I mean playing? He's made plain his will and they have made plain their will. He has made plain what he wants us to do. And they have made plain what they want to do. And yet they call themselves Christians. Now let me speak especially to those of you who are the heads of households. Whether you're a mother who is the head of your household or a father who is the head of your household. Or if you're a single person, you are the head of your household. You are responsible before God to make sure that your household is a household of holiness. To make certain that there is no mixed message allowed into your family. That in your family there will only be one sound, and that is the sound of true worship of Jesus Christ. That if any other sound comes in, you will confront it with love and kindness and mercy. But you will confront it. You will deal with it. And you will say, in our household, we will not walk that way. We live in a time when, hey, the kids get what they want. Everybody gets what they want. Dad gets what he wants. Mama gets what she wants. Jesus is saying, It's time I get what I want. And I want a people who are not hypocrites. I want a people who will walk out what they say they will walk out. I can tell you, as a pastor, there's nothing that causes more sorrow to my heart than to have people float depends on which way the tide goes it's convenient to be there one night it's not convenient to be there the next time the tide has washed this person over to this entertainment tonight or washed this person over to this activity tonight as a pastor i want to see a people who can't be washed here and there, every wind of doctrine and every wind of activity. I want to see a people who will make a covenant with Jesus and then who will stand though the heavens fall. No double-minded hypocrisy. People who will make a commitment who will say, Pastor, you can count on me. I'm a part of what God is doing in this city, and I will intervene in the prayer closet. I will walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't matter to me if that person says, I'm going to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ at the National Prayer Chapel, or if he says, I'm going to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ in another place. He's been called by the Spirit of God. That's a place of holiness. It's not about where, it's about where the Holy Spirit says you're to be. And then when you hear where the Holy Spirit says you're to be planted, then be planted. Don't be blowing in the wind. This way, that way, here, there. Nobody ever knows where you stand. You're always blowing in the wind. Tonight the Lord is saying to us as a fellowship. Be on guard. If we're going to be on guard against hypocrisy, it means we're going to stay awake, we're going to stay alert, and we're going to watch our children, we're going to watch our family members, we're going to watch our church, we're going to watch those that call themselves Christians, and when we begin to see hypocrisy coming in, we are going to be on guard, and we're going to sound the alarm, and we're going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not straight. Some of you tonight or in this house are not hidden in Jesus. You're hidden in your own prejudice. You're hidden in your own fears. You're hidden in your own lust. You're hidden in your own desires. You're hidden in your own agendas. And tonight I'm pleading with you, be on guard against this yeast of the Pharisees. Have fear in your heart for the living God of heaven because he is a God who is listening to the innermost secrets of your heart, and he is examining with a fine microscope the inner motives of your being. Now, my first reaction upon hearing that is shame. I'm ashamed. I mean, I thought my thoughts were mine. I thought my, my inner motives belonged to me. The Lord is saying, no, they don't. They belong to him. And he will judge according to those. But then he speaks such a word of kindness to my heart. Listen to this. Verse six, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're of worth more than many sparrows. So he's saying, be on guard against this yeast. Be afraid of me. Don't be afraid. I love you. I've even counted the hairs of your head. Now, I don't know how that impacts your heart, but I'll tell you what it does to me. It makes me even more terrified. I mean, it tells me that there are no secrets from God. Now, what I want you to hear tonight is that Jesus comes. He always comes with a word first that warns us. And as we heed that word of warning and we turn to him, he then always pours out his mercy and his compassion. Jesus Christ is not a vindictive God. He's a God of mercy and compassion, if we'll repent of our sin and be on guard, if we'll do what he asks us to do, his mercy will overflow for us. If we're in rebellion, he even knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows the inner motives of our heart. Now, this verse 8, you see, I've looked carefully at the flow of what he's saying, and I'm walking you through this sermon. So you catch the flow. The context of these statements is so important. Verse 8, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. Now he knows right now that the greatest point of hypocrisy is going to be my saying, I am a Christian in the prayer closet. But in the workplace, I'm a man of a different mark. There I'm there for my survival. There I'm there to get ahead. There I'm there to make money and take care of business. Religion is here and business is here. No, not with Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying when you get to that place of work, don't let any hypocrisy grow up in your heart. Instead, confess openly the name of Jesus Christ. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. I want you to see the underlying current that Jesus keeps bringing to the surface as you read through this carefully constructed sermon, not as we would construct it in our Western didactic teaching, but rather how he wants to construct it to bring conviction to our heart. He's saying, look, you can walk as the Pharisees walk with an outward show of religion, or you can come and follow me If you walk as the Pharisees do, in their hypocrisy, you are responsible for your own religious life. And you then have to force your flesh to comply to the rules of the religion that you are following. And so all of your energy is now going to be consumed trying to be good. Good being determined by the religion you're trying to follow. So he's saying, you can whip yourselves, you can beat yourselves up, you can beat your kids up. You can punch that stuff down time after time after time, but you're finally going to just wear yourselves out. You're going to become exhausted, and then you'll finally give up trying to punch it down anymore, and you'll just spend time covering it up. So now you'll go and you'll act, On the outside, like you're a good person. But inside, he says, you're a dead man. You are filled with dead men's bones. You are a whitewashed sepulcher. You're a beautiful tomb. Now, I can tell you, it takes work to keep a tomb beautiful. You've got to mow the grass. You've got to plant the flowers. You've got to weed eat the edges. You've got to make it look beautiful. It's hard work. And some of you are just tired out from weed-eating your pharisaical life where you're forcing yourself to look like you think a Christian is supposed to look. And you're punching it down. And finally, you've even gotten tired of punching it down. Now you just make sure nobody's looking when you do it. You just make sure nobody's watching while you think what you want to think and you do what you want to do. Jesus is saying, that's the life of the Pharisee. It's hard. He's saying there's another way to walk. And that is where you simply die. You let it go. And now you walk in Jesus, moved by the Spirit of the living God. You now are subject to the Spirit of God, you now are in obedience to the Spirit of God. And the blood of Jesus Christ covers you. And the work is accomplished by the blood. Not by the human willpower. I don't know about you, but I came to the conclusion a long time ago that if this deal demanded that I walk holy before God, I didn't have the energy to keep punching it down. I became exhausted trying to live like a Christian. Because I knew in the secret places I was just covering it up. That in my heart I was bitter and I was angry. In my heart I was ambitious for success. In my heart I was just playing the game like anybody else would play the game to get ahead, except mine was a religion game. Some people are addicted to gambling. Some people are addicted to sporting activities. Some people are addicted to bass fishing. Me, I was addicted to religion. I was trying to live a holy life. I couldn't do it. I tell you honestly, I couldn't do it. I asked God to help me. He wouldn't help me. Why would God want to help me be a better Pharisee? God has no interest in my being a good Pharisee. God wants me to die and to let Jesus Christ live in me. He wants me to awaken in the morning and say, Lord, what is your command for this day? He wants at every moment for me to be listening to his direction. He wants me to be listening to the direction of the spirit. And walk in the power of the spirit. To be under the spirit's authority. You see now, I'm not under the law. See, there are many more laws than just the law of the ten commandments. There's the law of the Pharisees. I can't live under the law of the Pharisees. It was killing me. I now live under the law of the Holy Spirit. That only comes out of the prayer closet. Where you get on your face before God. And you give up the game. And you say, Jesus, I'm not going to ask you anymore to help me live my life. I'm going to ask you to just take my life. I'm going to ask you to live through me. I'm going to ask you to come and move into this house and take over. Now, I can tell you with the old timers, this would often mean praying all night, some 36 or more hours, just praying it through, struggling until the victory was won. And then these awesome descriptions of men and women, suddenly children leaping to their feet, beginning to dance and shout. They have the victory in Jesus. Have you prayed through yet? Or are you living under the hypocrisy of the Pharisees? There's no shortcut for what I'm talking about. It's getting in that prayer closet and letting the Holy Spirit deal with your heart until you have the victory. Until you do that, you're going to be exhausted by the Pharisees' hypocrisy. And Jesus is saying, be on guard against that. He knows what it will do. It will drain your energies. It will drain the sweetness of your walk away. It's self-centered. It's selfish. It will break your testimony. It will destroy the inner being of man. Instead, Jesus says, come and walk in me. That's why he says, don't set your heart on what you're going to eat or drink, or or don't worry about it. The pagan world runs after all these things. Your father knows that you need them. Seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you. He's saying, if you'll come and walk after me, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of the finances. I'll take care of the food and the housing. I'll take care of everything for you. If you will trust me and you will walk in me and be on guard against this hypocrisy, I will carry you. Now in verse 35, he says something very powerful. Be dressed. Be dressed. Well, when am I not dressed? I'm not dressed when I go to bed at night. I don't know about you, but I usually take my clothes off and put my jammies on, and go to bed. And in the morning when I get up and stumble out of my bed toward the bathroom, my hair is disheveled. I look like I've been in a fight all night. Sleep is in my eyes. My voice croaks like a frog. Any of you know what I'm talking about? You mean you look in the mirror too? Jesus is saying, don't live like that. Don't live like that. Be dressed and ready. He's saying, you'll become so exhausted by walking under the law of the Pharisees. You'll become so utterly exhausted by the hypocrisy of the Pharisees that you'll collapse and you'll look like you were beat up. You're going to be on the ground, you're going to be asleep. He's saying, don't get in that condition. He's saying, be dressed. Be dressed. Be ready for service. Keep your lamps burning. How do you keep your lamps burning? By not having them put out by the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. By letting the Spirit of God burn in your heart continually. Not making any excuse for sin Seeking after Jesus with all your heart, turning aside from everything that would drain away your spirit life. Oh, I tell you, there is everything in this world today designed to drain away the life of the spirit in you. So, everything is designed, even those things called Christian, to drain away the life of the spirit from our hearts, to seduce us into the world to snare us, the clothing, the the suggestive music. I mean, you just name it every angle Satan has tried to cover, then all the good things to keep us busy doing what we're supposed to be doing, quote-unquote. Of course, if you were to die tonight, who would do all that work tomorrow? I would wonder if someone else wouldn't do it. Wouldn't that mean that tomorrow you could take time to be with Jesus? Have you ever taken a vacation day from work to be on your face before Jesus? Just to pray. Where will you find more refreshing than in the presence of Jesus? It's the life of the Pharisee that says, You've got to go, 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 go. It's the life of the Pharisee that wraps you so tight you're going to burst. Your temper's right on the edge. That's the life of the Pharisee. The life with Jesus Christ is a life of peace. It's orderly. It's not filled with confusion. The commitments are clear. The order is plain. Now he goes on to say, And this just lifts my heart. Verse 42, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the Lord puts in charge of his servants to give them food and their allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. We find also in the parable just above that a similar word, In verse 37, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve. That is, Jesus will dress himself to serve his servants. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And that's when Peter pipes up. Always listen when Peter speaks. He's the only man other than Jesus who ever walked on water successfully. Remember Peter, watch when he speaks. He speaks up and he says, Lord, Lord, are you telling this parable to us apostles? Are you telling it to these people out here? <laughs> I think Peter was a little sensitive. And now Jesus just drives the point right to the heart. Look at verse 45. Suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the men servants and maid servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of the servant will come on the day when he does not expect him. At an hour he's not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Now, The point of what Jesus is saying tonight is very plain to our hearts. He's saying, decide which side you're on. Don't play the middle game. Lay aside your prejudice. Lay aside your anger. Lay aside your bitterness. Lay aside your shyness of making a commitment. Get very clear about who you are in Jesus and then step into that and don't let any man or any woman turn you aside from allowing Jesus Christ full authority and control over your life. And he says, if you'll do that, I'll take care of you. Oh, you of little faith. But he says, watch and I'll take care of you. He says, when I come and I find you waiting, I'll be so pleased with you that I'll lay aside my royal robes and I'll fix you a meal at midnight. I'm going to serve you. I mean, can you imagine? Peter says, no, you're not going to wash me. You're not going to wash me. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. He'd say the same thing here. No, no, you're not going to serve me now. You've served me. Now as you sit down at the table, I'm going to feed you at my table. Isn't that what Psalm 23 is all about? The Lord preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Our cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever? Isn't that what he's talking about? Now we need to come to the conclusion of this sermon. It's in verse 49. There are very few places in the scripture where Jesus so clearly uncovers his heart that we could see his innermost desire. He is speaking here both as God And as man. This is very rare in the New Testament. Almost everything before the crucifixion. He spoke as a man. But now he's speaking as God. Listen to what he says. I have come. Not I have been born. I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. What's he saying? He's saying, I have a purpose, and I hate this sin that I find in the world. I've come to bring a fire. I've come to consume the sin. I've come to destroy the works of the devil. I've had it with the works of the devil. It's time to destroy it. But before I can destroy it, I have a baptism done to undergo. In other words, I have to die. I have to die. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter daughter-in-law against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. In other words, the whole deal is going to be divided up. Jesus right now is in the process of having his people proclaim his name in such a way that division occurs everywhere that name is proclaimed because he intends to divide the Pharisees from his sheep. And you have to decide which you're going to be. You can't straddle the fence. You can't pretend to be a Christian and work hard at it and exhaust yourself keeping the law of the Pharisees and expect to be one of the sheep of Jesus Christ. And I have to tell you, most of us have spent most of our lives Over in the Pharisees' camp, I have as well, working for Jesus and expecting him to give me the rewards that I require, the success that I require. But you see, over here on this side, we have to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm a check. Spend me any way you want to spend me. Or if you choose, don't spend me at all. Just put me on your shelf. In other words, it's all his choice now. It's his decision. And he says, if you'll come and walk with me, if you'll let my spirit rule over you, if you will give your heart to me and you will die to this flesh, then I will take care of you. And he commits himself to take care of us. So tonight, I don't care what the financial deal is. I don't care what the housing deal is. I don't care what the... What the problem is that you face, Jesus is big enough to handle it. The question is, will you leave the Pharisees' side? Will you be on guard against this yeast of the Pharisees? And will you go and firmly plant yourself on the side of Jesus Christ and say, I will serve you, I will worship you, I will adore you, I will have no other God before me. You will be my Lord. Will you let go of your ambition? Will you let go of your agenda? Will you let go of even your pet theology? And will you follow Jesus? Is he enough for you tonight? Oh, Lord, mighty and awesome is your name. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you have bent down low to this fellowship tonight. And you've encircled us with your arms. And you've said, will you come and follow me? Will you be on guard against greed? Will you be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees? Oh Lord, would you have the victory tonight? Would you stir in every man and woman, every boy and girl, the holy flame of the Holy Spirit? Thank you, Jesus. I pray in his holy name.
2: Amen. Pass me by Hear my cry Let me at thy throne of mercy Find a suit In thy mare.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. I